Yo, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is episode 44 of the Entrepreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, and today we are going to teach you how to quit working. I've got none other than the great Jeff Steinman from howtoquitworking.com. He is going to give you the simplest, most direct way to quit your job for a life of freedom. Don't go anywhere. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com forward slash 44. And here we go. Come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, then get on with your bad selves, yeah. Do your ears hang low and do they wobble to the front? And if they don't, you better riggedy roll them around your head right now and get them hooked on the interview because our guest today is going to teach you how to quit working, taking a hip hop away from corporate America to follow the life that he loves. A skidam a rinkity dinkity dink, a skidam a rinkity doo. All the way from St. Louis, Mizzou, Jeff Steinman. Jeff, you are the <laughs> entrepreneur now. What's up, man? Wow, what an introduction. Like, how do I follow? Like, what do I say? How do I follow that? <laughs> you just got to fist pump slowly. Just fist pump. <laughs> how, do, how can you not be excited after that? What a, what a great introduction. What a fun show. Well, how you doing, man? How's St. How's Louis treating you? I, I know that uh, it's been wild and crazy ride for you. You've got this amazing podcast out. You've written a book. Uh, you do consulting. You do marketing. You write for lifehack.org and Huffington Post. I mean, and you're you're teaching an amazing audience every single day how to quit working and ultimately uh, to quit their jobs to start a business that lets them put living first. So how does that feel? Yeah, well, it feels great. You know, that. There's a blueprint in this. It's not just in the U.S. It's all over the world, right? There's this idea of how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to do life. We're supposed to go to high, go through high school, then go to college and figure out what we want to do and then get a job and do that thing the rest of our lives. And uh, that blueprint just doesn't work for everybody. No, <laughs> a lot of people want something totally different, right? And, 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 I, and I would argue it doesn't work for most people. But we have this idea that that's the way it goes. We have this ridiculous idea that there's two choices in life. Choice number one, get a job. Choice number two, starve. Dun, dun, dun. There's actually a lot more options out there, and that's what I want to bring to the world and show folks there's a lot more different ways that you can live your life than just picking from those two options. Yeah, I mean, you could have a job and still starve too. So it's not well. That's a good point, right? Yeah, you could have a job and and get paid, you know, peanuts, and uh, and get laid off, right? I mean, there's no. I, I think one of the biggest. Uh, I was just on a on Facebook this morning and saw a a comment from somebody who who said that he was having this 
amazing epiphany. And the epiphany that he was having was that all these years, he thought that getting a good, secure job was security. He thought that that's what would bring him security and, and, and certainty in life. And uh, he's, he's sitting there looking at people being laid off left and right all around him, and he's like, wait a minute. What a lie I've been told. Security. This isn't security. You know, this is this is like trying to uh, this is the opposite of security because I don't have any control. Right? And, and and what he's realizing is he's saying, you know what? If I actually go out in the world and I figure out what is it that what's the value that I can provide to the world? What do I have to offer to the world that the world is willing to pay me for? And when he asks that question, understands the answer and understands who wants that, well, now that's job security, right? That's the security. Knowing what you as a, as a person have to offer and then putting a structure around that that lets you create a business, that's, that's, what, that's what real security is, right? Yeah, that, that's funny, man, because I, I, when I got out of college, that was pretty much the exact same line I was in. And I went to go work for a company. I actually moved to Lexington at that point and started working. And that's exactly what started happening. All these yeah. guys that had put in their 30 years at this company, you know, it was a big corporation. This was a worldwide company. They started cutting them left and right. Yeah. It didn't matter how valuable they were. They were just a number. And at that point, I was like, holy shit. Like, I, I am not, you know, this, this is not what I expected. You work your way through college, you, you think that you're getting something great and, and that's what starts happening. So that was the moment that hit me like, well, I've got to start doing something to differentiate myself from the crowd so I can, you know, begin following that life that I truly love. Differentiate yourself from the crowd, following the life that you truly love. I mean, what else is there really to life? Mm-hmm. Certainly oh, isn't. Yeah. If, if there's something else, if there's something else, I don't, I don't know what it is. Popsicles and pizza parties. <laughs> well, those are good. We all like popsicles. Pizza's good. <laughs> so what about you? Obviously, you're teaching this subject. Uh, you've got a, a really good hold on it. What's, you, what's your background? How did you get? Did you always do this or did you come from corporate America? Oh, I came from corporate America, right? I yeah. bought I bought the same lie that everybody else bought, right? And you know, it was oh, well, you, you got to go to college, get a degree, and I went through college, and it actually ended up taking me thirteen years to get through college. And the reason is because not because I wasn't smart or because I couldn't do the work, but because they were trying to teach me a bunch of shit that I didn't care about, and uh, I just I just had no motivation to to go through college because I just didn't I didn't get it. I mean, I was like, why 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 am I learning all this crap? It doesn't make any sense. I did get lucky though in the in the late '90s. I uh, managed to get into uh, the technology industry when it was really booming, and it was kind of that point where all you had to do was read a Visual Basic book, and you can get a really good paying job as a computer programmer. And that's basically what I did. <laughs> and I yeah, I programmed for a couple of years, but then I ended up uh, really finding that now sitting in a cube writing code wasn't for me. So I moved into systems analysis and eventually began managing large uh, projects and programs for really large, boring financial organizations uh, that all of your listeners have probably heard of in the U.S., very large, major companies. Kind of make you drool on your desk. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but I did that, and, and you know, I, I reached a point where I, I kept getting I, – I did well in the corporate world. Like I kept moving up, and I kept – Finding that, you know, I, I kept thinking, oh, okay, well, this here's here's the next here's the next rung in the ladder, and then I reached the next rung, the next pay scale, and uh, I found that, oh, okay, wait, I'm, I'm actually not any happier, not any happier with the more money, I'm not any happier with the more responsibility, I'm not any happier with the, the larger office or the fancier title or the none, none of that stuff was making me happy, and then I started looking up the ladder further and saying, okay, well, here's my next step. I, I guess this is the next thing that I do, and it's like I don't want to do that. That's just more of this crap that I don't like, you know. And I actually um, I spent a lot of time, as most people do, I just resigned to this idea that okay, I guess this is just what my life is going to be like. All right, I'm just going to do this corporate thing, and uh, that was a really tough time when. I kind of had that realization that, oh, this next step, that's not something that I'm at all interested in. So uh, I actually got really, really antsy. I would go so far as to say I was pretty depressed about it, you know, because I was like, this just isn't what I want. I got to, I got to do something different. So I started reading and I started looking at uh, entrepreneurship type stuff, which I'd always had a fleeting interest in, just never really had the guts to pursue it. And started looking at things, and uh, one thing led to another. And I ended up uh, by, you know, with a number of different business attempts and ideas and things, with varying levels of success. I ended up uh, leaving my job for good on uh, April fifteenth, two thousand and twelve, and the rest is history. What, what kind of things did you have in place before you left your job? I mean, did you? I know there's certain types of people out there that will literally just jump off the cliff, you know, free fall and then kind of build something up before they hit the ground. Uh, then there's the other type of people that are kind of more like me who see opportunities and try to build stuff up slowly before they actually leave their job. So in your case, what did you do? And, and after the fact now, what would you recommend to others? Yeah, you know, I did it all wrong. And 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 the, everything that I do in how to quit working is about showing you how to do it the right way. All right, because I've seen I've seen how easy this can be. And and how again, I don't, I don't want to sound like the guy that's saying, "Hey, it's easy, just put up a website, blah blah blah." You know, because that's annoying and a lie. But it doesn't have to be as complicated and as risky as we want it to be. And I'll tell you what I did. So um, I had a concept for a business. I was going to do some marketing and 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 uh, business development for authors and speakers and folks who really wanted to get their name and their expertise out there. And what I found was I had folks who were really interested in that idea. And I had uh, some I had some uh, prospects lined up. I had some folks that were willing to work with me as clients. And once I kind of had that idea that, okay, I've got this idea, this thing that I think I want to do. People seem to be excited about it. And uh, I think I can make this work. Well, I had people that were telling me it was a great idea. I had people that were excited about it. I had people that wanted to jump on board, but I didn't have the most important thing. Nobody had paid me money yet. And every single thing that 
every single idea, every single thing that you think you're going to do, every single brilliant business idea that you come up with, no matter how many people tell you it's a freaking fabulous idea, it is still just a hypothesis until somebody pulls out their wallet and hands you cash. Now, not literally cash necessarily, but my point is somebody's got to pay you. That's the only true validation of a business idea. And the the big thing that I did wrong is I did not have that validation. And that is exactly what I I help people to do in my book and in my programs is get past all of this. I got an idea. I got an idea. I got an idea crap and get down to what really matters, which is having – a product or service idea that people want, having the people that want it, improving it by getting someone to reach in their pocket, pull out their wallet, and give you money because that's all that matters. Yeah, and then figure out a way to get it to them. Yeah, absolutely. And really, that's, you know, once you've figured out, once you've identified what that idea is and, and somebody said, yeah, I love it. That's great. That's great. Here's some, here's some money. Let's do it. You know the delivery side of it. Generally, for folks, is the easy side, right? Because you know whatever people are out there thinking about for for their business ideas, it's they know how to do it. You know, like we got artistic folks. I think probably a lot on this on this show. You know that you, you know how to paint. You know how to do your photography. You know how to uh, make your sculpt. Whatever you're doing, that's the easy part, right? The hard part, and the part that is so important to get. To, to have accomplished before you leave your job is to have that validation and that validation of somebody pulls out their wall and says, yep, I want this. What are some of these methods that you would use to, to find validation? I know that if you read through a lot of entrepreneur books or, you know, books to try to kick you in the ass and get your passion rolling, there's so many different things that you see, whether it be taking out an ad in the back of a magazine and then uh, having it lead to a website where you could capture an email address every time someone comes from the magazine, you see how many people actually saw that ad because that's the only place that it is. Yeah. Um, there, there's so many different ways to do it, but from what you have seen and what you know works, what, what do you recommend? Yeah, you know, and, and I have a, a kind of a unique perspective on this because I think one of the things that, that a lot of the business books and gurus and folks forget about is that People listening to this show, the people who listen to my my show, you're working a full-time job, and that's not it. You also have a family. You have a house. You probably have other kinds of responsibilities and things you got to do. So you don't have time to screw around. You don't have time to waste. You've got to get right to what works. And the the taking an ad out in the back of a magazine and looking to see what kind of traffic it drives, that's, that's a that's a perfectly great idea. There's nothing wrong with that. But is that the fastest way to get to a validated idea? I think probably not. Right. So what I recommend to folks that they do is start with what is it that people come to you for? People come to you already asking you for your help with something. You know, they come to you and say, hey, uh, uh, can you help me raise my kids? Because my kids are, are brats and they get terrible grades in schools, but your kids are great, right? Or do they come to you and say, hey, you, you've got a great garden. I mean, you've got all these great vegetables and everything and I have nothing but a bunch of dead stuff and weeds, you know? So there's always, there's always something. And again, you know, those are just two examples. 
But think about all of the things in, in the world that you're good at and, and what are the things, not just that you're good at, but the things that people already have recognized. And this is your friends, families, coworkers, whoever it is. Things that people have already recognized are a value that you provide. And that's where you start your business, right? You start it with where people are already coming to you. Business is all about one thing. It's about getting noticed. Once you are noticed, the rest of it is just details, right? Because once people are noticing you, once people see you, once people are looking at you, then you can open up a conversation with them and say, hey, I understand you have interest in this. Tell me about what issues you have with that. What issues do you have with your garden? Well, uh, my my pumpkins die all the time, right? My my kids uh, they won't go to bed at night. They they want they they're they're up late and they just can't seem to calm down. And you know that creates an issue with uh, you know that we we're tired the next day. They're tired the next day. They don't want to get up. They're not they don't they're not well rested enough at school, all right? So opening that conversation around that thing that people already uh, people already gravitate towards you. Four, and I'll give you an example of uh, a guy who read my book. His name is Anthony. He's in the UK, and Anthony said to himself, "So, so what he does in his job is he's got a pretty cool job, but it's still the job at the end of the day, and he doesn't want to stay in it. He wants to do something uh, uh, that that he'll enjoy more and will give him more freedom. But he designs graphics for the video game industry, so he does a lot of three D graphics. So we read my book, and he said." Okay, this guy wrote this book. He says he says I should start talking to people uh, about what their wants and needs are. Right? What do they need? So he knew some people in the online gambling industry, and he started a conversation. He was like, "Hey, what do you guys, you know, what do you guys struggle with as it relates to his area of expertise, which is uh, computer graphics?" And what they told him was that you know there's no good reliable source to get these uh, graphics that we use in our slot machine games, right? So like the cherries and the coins and all that kind of stuff that come up in a slot machine. So he said, "Okay, I can do that." And he's got his first contract with a company designing uh, these uh, these graphics for for the online gambling sites, and and that's just a testament. To what happens when you quit this whole "I gotta come up with a business idea" mentality, right? And and that's that's what he did. He he didn't start off. Anthony didn't start off with this brilliant business idea, this thing that he wanted to go get people to buy. He said, "No, no, no! I'm going to step back and I'm going to look at where are people already struggling. What are they looking for? Where do they need help?" And that's how he landed his first contract. And I mean, this guy's he's going to be out of his uh, he's going to be quitting his job in six to twelve months, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he, he sucked it up and he got out of his comfort zone and he started asking questions. I mean, there's so much value when you can do. Yeah, that. well, you know, you, you mentioned the comfort zone, Heath, and that's such a good point because uh, I think folks are are hesitant to do that because it sounds like selling and it sounds scary. And it sounds like, oh, you know, that's that's going to be a difficult conversation, but it's not actually. It's just a relaxed, casual conversation about, hey, what's you know, what's what's going on? What what what's, what do you struggle with, and and what are you looking?
looking for and how might I be able to help you? That doesn't have to be a big stressful thing. And if the result of that conversation is, well, nothing, you know, if nothing comes of it, that's perfectly fine, right? Sometimes we actually learn more from the things that don't work out than we do from the things that do work out. So, you know, go into that conversation not expecting to necessarily that, you know, that a business is going to spring out of that first conversation. You know, Anthony had, Anthony had a number of conversations with different people in different industries before he finally hit on something that he found would actually work. Yeah, and I've talked to so many people in – you know, sometimes, and I'd say more than not, I, I, I give it probably like an 85-15 thing that that's, that somebody needs help or somebody wants help, somebody wants to have that conversation with you. And when they don't, I mean, it doesn't matter at all to me if they if they do or if, if they don't. If they give me the no, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. That's good for you. You know, I'll move on to the next one. And and you're yeah. right when you say that that failures you can live, you can learn a lot more from. Cause I mean, I think we get noticed because of our successes, but we definitely create them on the back of those failures. And we learn best from the experiences where it doesn't necessarily work. Yet we usually only discuss the successes and not the failures, which is just crazy to me. So on totally crazy. coming from you, can, can you tell us about a, a time when you were coming up and you were starting to do this whole podcast thing and write th- this book and, and start this engagement of consulting people of how to do it the right way and how to leave their job and quit working uh, and tell us about a failure that you had and how it's kind of changed your process moving forward. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's like the, the, you know, the, the thing with that question is like, well, which one, <laughs> where, where do I start? Uh, I think the biggest thing that, uh, the biggest discovery that I had, and, and, and again, it's, it's funny when you ask that question of successful entrepreneurs, they, they'll never answer it directly, right? Because we, we don't look at anything as a failure, right? So we, we look at everything as an opportunity, as a learning experience. So you'll notice that my language around how I talk about this is totally different, right? It's, it's not, well, like, well, when I did this, it failed. It's when I did this, I learned that. So uh, just to frame up the answer that I'm going to give you, which is, uh, you know, I initially thought that, you know, a lot of my expertise was kind of in the online marketing area. And I, I, I initially wrote my book targeted at folks who wanted to uh, start more of an online business, kind of have a, a, um, an expert-based business. So in other words, selling their, uh, their information and their knowledge online. And what I found w- was so fascinating because that's what I thought it was going to be all about. I thought it was all going to be about you know, me sharing that knowledge about online marketing and, 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 and online business, but it wasn't at all. It, it ended up being that um, folks were more uh, interested in and, and resonated more with the inspirational and motivational stuff that I have. And I would say most of my uh, most of the folks in my in my How to Quit Working Now program are actually not doing online businesses. Now some of them are, but but most of them are are folks who who just have some something some value that they can provide to the world and they're just looking at, well, how can I provide that value? And they don't care if that's, you know, in a, in a one-on-one basis or, 
in a in a consulting way or if it's online. But it it's it's really like the the whole value that I thought my book was going to bring it didn't. And and it was really important that I recognize that because what happened was by by uh, allowing that feedback to come in that I got it meant that. In the beginning, the book didn't sell very well. It also meant that I wasn't able to enroll people into my online course because it was not really what they were looking for. But then when I allowed myself to listen to that feedback, I was able to change the way that I talk about it and the and the the content that's provided and, and what I provide. And, and now what I do is totally different than I thought it was. But that's okay because it's done a couple of things. It's actually allowed me to get out of the more competitive online marketing space, which in retrospect, I don't even want to be in that space. This is really more where I want to be and really more where I, where I enjoy being. And I think the, the biggest thing that happened there was I listened to and, – and I say, I say it like, oh, yeah, I did it all right. But you know, there was all kinds of struggle and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, uh, ugliness that went along with that. Right? So I'm not, I'm not claiming that, that, oh, I just did everything right from day one. Uh, there was certainly some messiness there. But you know, I listened to what folks said and I said, okay, well, what they're telling me is people are telling me what they really want from me. And I, and I've got to listen to that. And and I and I totally changed the way my business went and and the way I talk about my business and the products and services that I provide based upon that. And that's funny because it kind of ties right in with your method of of having people finding that one thing that people come to you for, you know what I mean? That method which I learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> ding ding ding. Yep. Yep. Very cool, man. And I, I, I love your show. I'm a huge fan. I obviously just discovered it, uh, I guess it was probably about a month ago now. Cool. And the first episode that I listened to, I, I got a good laugh because it was, uh, you probably remember this one, and I'm not sure how many episodes you do this with, but you played a call from one of your listeners who actually called in and and pretty much quit his job, and he sent you the message of it. I think yes. he worked at a hotel or something. Yeah, he was a valet at a hotel. It's Jason <laughs> Jason Torres. Yeah, and then I went back and listened to the episode that kind of encouraged him to do that, which was also a really good one. But it, it was funny because I remember the first, I think on the message, he was like, hey, dickwad or something. He beeped <laughs> it out. <laughs> Actually, it was, his, it was his boss's name. He didn't want his boss's uh. <laughs> name to be on there. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, yeah, I've got, it's actually a video too. The video's on the website, um, but it's, it's really cool. So he, I, I asked him, I was like, can you just capture that moment when you, when you clock out for the last time? And uh, he's sitting there right next to the time clock. And uh, it's just such a, such a great, powerful video. I wanted folks to really kind of get an idea. What does that feel like? You know, what does it feel like when you finally hit that clock out button for the last time? Yeah. And it's an amazing feeling. And, and when I left that corporate job that I had, Oh man, nothing felt better. And I did, I did pursue things that I was good at for about three or four months. And then I, I had this opportunity fall on my lap to take another job, which seemed like a very good opportunity to learn uh, some traits that I wasn't very good at, like the sales side of the industry and wholesale and working yeah. at home and being able to build character that way. So I took that, but I still do all my websites and, and I'm getting into mobile applications now and it's a lot of fun, but eventually I plan on going back to just doing everything on my own again. 
And I can't wait for that feeling one more time, man. Yeah. People like you out there that are helping us every step of the way. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you raise a really good point because I I think that when folks are working their, their job still, I think that that can be a frustrating and difficult, well, it's almost always a frustrating and difficult situation to be in. But the one thing that, that you should be grateful for is that, like you said, Heath, you're learning skills and you're developing uh, uh, relationships and, and and you're learning things and lessons that are going to be applicable in your in your business. I, I I couldn't even imagine where I would be right now if I didn't have the 15 years of corporate experience that I have. You know, I I, I did a lot of work that involved. As a, as a program manager, I had to get a lot of people with different ideas, different agendas, different uh, goals to come together and accomplish something, accomplish a goal, a common goal, the project, that they weren't necessarily on board with. And, and that gave me some of the most powerful people skills that, that you can imagine and, and, and probably the uh, – it's probably the single – skill that I'm most uh, grateful for having. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to be somewhat of an introvert and and I really didn't, I wasn't the type of person just to get up and talk to people in a room if I didn't have to. Yeah. And I was always 100% welcome to have conversations with people, but I usually wasn't going to be the one that would instigate something like that. So what I did was I literally confronted my fear head on mm. and I took that job to learn sales because I I had, you know, I came from engineering and working in labs and things like that. And I had the personality, I had the presentation skills and the brains, whatever, whatever you might need to do sales, but I didn't know anything about it. And Ah. that's why I took this opportunity and man, talk about stepping out of your comfort zone. I think it is the single most important thing that I have ever done because it has not only taught me how to sell, but it has taught me how to pretty much round off my personality like into one big whole piece now that I can tackle every different problem from multiple angles instead of just the one that I used to have. Amazing, amazing stuff. Heath, if you like you you now have literally the only skill you need to survive. If you can sell, you've got everything you need. Right? You if if you can sell, you can make money. There's always something to sell. There is always something to sell. And if you can sell, you literally have the skill that you need to make money, which you can then pay people for food. You can pay them for shelter. You can pay them for clothing. You you can you can then make money. And there's there's just no skill that is more important than selling. If I had a choice between being able to sell and being able to read. I would choose selling because if I could sell, I can make money to hire someone to teach me how to read, which is the first thing I would do (laughs) if I was in that situation. But um, I I think that we really, really undervalue the idea of sales and the ability – having the ability to sell. And that's why I actually brought in um, a great sales trainer, Jason Kanigan, to do a bonus training for my my online program. But – uh, you know, I think that we do a really, really serious disservice to the world in a couple of ways. Number one is by not teaching sales in school. Kids are the best salespeople in the world. I know. And we beat it out of them, which is a horrible, horrible thing. When we should be, it should be like 
you know, the three R's should be reading, writing, and sales. I mean, you know, and, and uh, not that math isn't valuable, but it's way less valuable than we actually think it is in our society. But then the other thing that we do too is we have these ridiculous notions that salespeople are sleazebags. That they are slimy and uh, like, like you know, the used car salesman plaid jacket kind of a thing. And uh, yeah, some of them are right, but that's that's just that's just a sliver of of the people that are out there. And if everybody was actually out there selling their services and doing it and selling the value that they provide in the world and doing it in a way that's confident and in a way that is not about getting money out of you, but it's in a way more about providing value, right? So when I'm in a sales situation, I should be finding out, hey, Heath, how can I help you? How can I help you to get through some issue or challenge or problem that you have or help you get to some place that you want to get, whether that's selling you a coffee cup that doesn't tip over in your car or some consulting services. It doesn't matter. The point is I'm trying to figure out how can I make your life better? And well, of course, you're going to give me money in exchange for that. That's just part of it, right? Because we have decided as as human beings on this particular planet that we live right now that money, this green stuff, is what represents value. It's just a representation of value. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just something that represents value. And then when we start thinking about money as being a bad thing and being something that's evil, well, then because most of us are good people, vast majority of people, certainly on this podcast, but in the world, are really, truly, honestly good people who just want to help other people and have a great time while they're doing it. And when good people then are forced to deal with something, money, that they view as bad, well, it sets up a really huge conflict in their head, right? So, so you know, why should I, if I'm a good person, why should I want more money? Because money is evil, right? So we, we repel it. And all this stuff happens on a subconscious level. Nobody thinks any of this stuff consciously. It all happens on a subliminal level in our head, and we start to end up uh, making decisions that push money away. Yeah. If you took somebody who had all the money in the world, they could be in just as much trouble, probably have more stress than somebody who had absolutely no money uh, because you create that many more problems around it. And, absolutely. and for people that are looking to, to leave their job and, and they have this just dissatisfaction with what they're doing with their job, you know, I, I previously interviewed his episode actually came out yesterday on my podcast. His name was Dave Lent. And he told me after the show, he said, I had I kind of had a negative way of looking at my job. And I'm sure you have a lot of people that come to you that say the same thing. And he said, No, your job is not it's not a negative thing. It's your money hustle. You know, this this what you're doing right now, this is your job. The things that you love, that's your job. Where you're making money, that's your money hustle. You should be thankful and grateful that you have those opportunities to give you the situation to be able to take this other stuff on the side and try to build it up. And ever Absolutely. since then, I mean, I've been like, wow, you know, I look at it a completely different way. So it's revolutionary. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's an enabler. It's letting you it's letting you take care of the money right now so that you can do something that you are more excited about doing in the future. Um, but uh figure out a way to, to make that transition as fast as you can. And the way to do that is you start where there's already a flow and start talking to people. Yeah. And, and listen to the how to quit working podcast and check out his book too. That's a really good idea. That's a, that's a good uh, way to kickstart some of the ideas. Cause I'm telling you guys, I would not be where I am 
without books and podcasts. And when you have someone like Jeff, who's got all this information and experience and he puts it all out there for you, you should be thankful and definitely check it out. Who, who are some of these people along the way that were influences to you, Jeff? Like when you, when you decided to go away from corporate America, who are some of the people that kind of really rubbed you the right way and lit that fire under your ass to, to do it? Mm. I have a really good friend. Uh, this isn't somebody famous, but uh, a really good friend who uh, is in his business and his entrepreneurial career. Uh, he's always been a couple steps ahead of me. And uh, he's always been somebody who's been there. Uh, he's been supportive in, in, in many, many different ways. And uh, having him around and having an influence like that particularly is particularly valuable because he is and probably always will be because he works way harder than I do um, a couple steps ahead of me. right? So I've always kind of got somebody there who's been through a lot of the things that I've been through. And, and, having, a, um, and having a friend like that is, is hugely, hugely beneficial. Uh, I will jump to some of the more well-known folks who have been influential for me. And I will say that a couple of them are folks like Tony Robbins. Uh, you know, Tony's kind of no nonsense attitude about stuff. And, and, and I think his, his teachings about state and about how to change your state and, and realize that if you're feeling depressed and and upset. You don't have to feel that way. You have control. You can change that. You can make it something different. That's been hugely valuable. Les Brown and his kick you in the butt uh, kind of approach has, has always been very inspirational to me. And another guy uh, who is less well known, but certainly as as amazing as those guys is Charles F. Hanel, and I believe it's H A N N E L. Or maybe it's H A N E L L, but uh, he wrote a book called The Master Key System, which is one of those really, really old books, like from the Napoleon Hill days, probably from early, uh, early last century. Uh, but it's kind of all about how do you really make stuff happen? You know, how do you take something that is just an idea and turn it into something that's real? And those principles in in uh, the master key system I found to be just amazing and hugely inspirational. Yeah, very cool. I will post those in the show notes and check them out myself so I can get a little bit funky and do a little boogie-woogie after this show is over. And that would Absolutely. be fantastic. So. Jeff, if, if you had to battle Godzilla, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big, ugly bastard? I would talk to him. I would influence him. I would show him that fighting and violence is not the way. You know, it's one of the one of the skills that I learned. And that, that is such a weird question, but what, what's so cool about it is, is I didn't have to think much about it. Right. You know, I learned those influence skills in the corporate world and they're, they're just some of the most important skills that you'll ever learn, which in sales is just influence. Right. So when you learn how to become influential, you're really pretty unstoppable. Yeah. And I think Godzilla is a pretty cool dude. Oh, you know, definitely. Start hanging out with him. He could be a pretty big asset to have hanging around. You Absolutely. Got yourself in any trouble or you needed something and you didn't have any money, I think he could make that happen. Mouth off at the gas station. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. You'd have somebody who'd have your back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any closing advice for the listeners 
Uh, before we say goodbye, make a decision. Make a decision that the time that you have on this planet is valuable and it's worth it's worth making it everything that it can possibly be. And I promise you it cannot be everything it can possibly be as long as you're selling a third of your life to some company doing something that you don't like. So make that decision. Beautiful. And how can our listeners get in contact with you and check out your your book and your podcast and all the other amazing stuff that you're beefing out into the world? Yeah, you can go to howtoquitworking.com, which is my website. You'll find everything you need to know there. You can also find the book on Amazon. And uh, anybody who orders the book, just send me an email, jeff at howtoquitworking.com, and I'll shoot you back 150 bucks worth of bonuses, some free training, and some really great stuff. Awesome, man. That sounds, <laughs> yeah. that sounds great. And everybody out there, seriously, just just get out there and make a change. Take that first step forward because obviously – like Jeff says, you've got one life. You know, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? It's it's the only acceptable thing. I'm telling you, do it. You won't regret it because uh, we are always going to be free when we decide to be free. And we all want to break the rules, but we first got to break the rulers. <laughs> I love it. So make today the best day of your life because there's pretty much absolutely no good reason not to. And Jeff, thank you so much for being the Archerpreneur now. And always remember to keep it funky. Excellent. Thank you very much. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archerpreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music? Well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta! Keep it funky.